Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, we're looking at CGI perhaps obsolete in a world not entirely concrete, but with a message that's a real treat. That's right, we're talking Disney's Meet the Robinsons. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. Hello. And Joel Killingsworth. Hello. So, guys, as previously mentioned just a moment ago, we're talking Meet the Robinsons. But before we dive into that, maybe we're going to... It's not a spoiler. It was in the trailer. I went back and watched the trailer. Yeah, to make just sure. Just to make sure that this wouldn't spoil it somehow. But we're going to talk about other time travel. Other time travel. Other time travel. Well, I don't want to say best time travel, but I guess this is favorite. Or did we all decide? That yeah, it yeah. Favorite. It doesn't have to be favorite. It is okay. It is definitely I, I, time favorite. travel. Time travel highlight. Because I'm, highlight. I am done, under time under travel no done well. Under no circumstances am I positing that my selection is the best. Yeah, time well, travel. Yeah, story. same thing here. Like mine, mine is <laughs> definitely about, not the this? best a, time travel. A, a story that involves time travel that you appreciate. Yeah. yeah gonna, there we let's, go. Let's caveat Let's make this heck as generic this. as yes. possible. <laughs> no impact whatsoever. <laughs> All right. So on that note, I'm going to throw this over to Joel. Okay. Fantastic. So my time travel tale actually does not include any specific time travel of a person leaving one time and entering another, but instead... Uh, views time travel as being able to peer into another time. So no physical time travel. So is this next? This is not next. (laughs) That was a good choice. (laughs) This is Paycheck. This um, starring Ben Affleck and Uma Thurman. I don't know. With Aaron Eckhart playing the antagonist. Okay. Uh, See, I'm trying to look up when it came came out. It came out out in 2003. um, And it's uh, primarily an action adventure flick. Okay. And the, the basic thing is that Ben Affleck plays a engineer who specifically takes on less than legal jobs. Um, the kind of the cold open is he is um, reverse engineering a new product mm-hmm. that's come out with, you know, record breaking patents and it's all right. Right. And he reverse engineers it and designs a, a com- competing and superior product based on you know, the work that these other people have done and gives it to the competitor. Okay. Right? So it's kind of shady engineering. <laughs> right. And, but the, the twist is he always has his memories erased after doing a job. So he ends up oh, okay. not being like, not being a liability risk, right? Like he can't rat out his employers. Makes right? sense. He just ends up having lots of money, not remembering the <laughs> months of joyless work that he put in and just his whole life that he can remember is a vacation, right? That's kind of fun. I mean, okay, all right. And so then comes along his friend from college or, or whatever, Aaron Eckhart, saying, look, I've got the job to end all jobs. You do this. It is much longer than your usual stint. This is like a two-year, three-year commitment instead of the normal couple of months the deal. Right. But this is going to set you up for life. And then he comes out of it doesn't remember anything, receives a package in the mail from himself with a list of like 20 different innocuous items Mm -hmm. um, that are in this, that can fit in this manila envelope. Okay. And people are trying to kill him. Oh. And what he's trying to kill him? No. Sad. 
This is not Kill Bill. Yes. So she, <laughs> um, she's, the, uh, she's the romance. She's yeah, she's yeah. The, the romance. I mean, shocker, and yeah. and so he's trying to two thousand three. He's, yeah. he's having to figure out. Okay, what is it that I've been doing for the last several years? Why did I send myself these things? Which he quickly learns are a laundry list of exactly the thing he needs to get out of a specific situation. Mm. And so he he comes to learn that he has somehow looked forward in time. He has not foreknowledge and given himself exactly what he needs, even though he in his current state can remember nothing. Interesting. Okay. Well. Okay. So you did a good job because now I'm actually sort of interested to go back and watch this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like semi. Semi. I have to see if it's you know low bar streaming somewhere and just eh, turn it on. Lauren be like, "What's wrong with you? What are we watching?" <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's on. It's probably on Netflix, honestly. Probably. If it's, you know, if it's not a movie that I've or either of us have heard about, it's probably like Amazon one, Prime. You know, it's one probably of one of those that that ended on like looks, or, you know, uh, Rotten Tomatoes with like a forty percent score or something. According to IMDb, it's on Paramount Plus, uh, and yep, you can gonna... you can rent it on Amazon. Ah, yeah, no, I don't. know. You can rent everything. Rent that's not yeah. low enough. I mean, I'll, I'll, spend, <laughs> I'll spend the three bucks to rent a movie or flyer. You know, I did that. And it was How to Train Your Dragon. It was a great choice. <laughs> <laughs> that's also a great yeah, movie. Right? Yeah. That's not going to be the subject of my time travel discussion. <laughs> what is going to be the subject of your time travel discussion? Well, I am, I'm going to swing into a, a bit of a different field. I'm going I'm, I'm to tread on Andrew's territory here. Oh, yeah. Turf. And we're going to do Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. So this is, this is like doubly yours because it's not just anime. It's also predominantly couched within Slice of Life. Mm-hmm. So basic story is, basic premise is high school girl. She's not like, is she a senior? Because they are getting ready to graduate. She's a senior. Yeah, because they're discussing where they're going to yeah. go from there. And her with her friends and just kind of going through life and high school. And then a specific event happens where she receives an item that changes her life. And as she goes, she starts to realize she can influence or go back and change stuff without really being aware of the potential consequences of these changes. And then it kind of, I'm trying to not really like give away the story because mm-hmm. it kind of escalates from there. So it's something that starts out as just a very, I mean like the, the setting, you know, for, for anime, you know, high school is really, really typical, uh, kind of the, the daily activities they go through and just sort of the scenery and everything it is all very much. So if you didn't have any idea of the story, it would just be a perfect, high school slice of life mm-hmm. anime and you just be like oh okay it's just a movie so it's just you know two hours mm-hmm. yeah at most so it's it's interesting just because you have kind of this very fluffy small scale thing that kind of escalates it doesn't really ever escalate into a big scale you know we're going to break the world or the universe or something like that it just ultimately it comes down to she goes from kind of making frivolous decisions to making more informed decisions and kind of having to make a choice or two right at the end and, and realizing that all of the choices that she's made before this were really frivolous, really mm-hmm. frivolous yeah. and, and terrible choices. Yeah. She was kind of, kind of not a, a it's not that she's a terrible person. It's just that she just wasn't, she's, she's just like any other normal high school mature. kid that, yeah. you know, it's like if you were given time travel, what would you do with it? Yeah. Well, I'd probably go try and change my grades or, yeah. you know, I'd, you know, small stuff like that, which, you, you don't think would have a big impact on other people's daily mm-hmm. lives. And then suddenly because you got an A, 
then someone else was maybe knocked down on their their ranking or whatever, which could have been a big deal for them. Then they go into a depression, you know, like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. That doesn't exactly happen in the film. Yeah, but no, that's not that's not a, that's not a perfect. Yeah, uh, spo- this is this is as spoiler free as we can be. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a just a really nice film. Like it's not super super weighty. It's not super light and floaty. It's just an easy thing to watch. Like like it's not. There are a lot it's, of. It's got a really good emotional climax yeah, too. There are a lot of anime films that you can watch once. And you don't want to watch them again. Mm-hmm. This is not one of those. This is just a nice kind of light and fluffy that has a good overarching theme and message and mm-hmm. delivery, basically. Yeah. So, all right. Well, on that note, I'm gonna pass this off to Andrew. Yeah. So, kind of going off of um, young people making bad decisions whenever <laughs> they get their hands on some form of uh, time travel, I chose Steinsgate, which was a um, it's, it has a couple seasons in a movie, but mm-hmm. uh, the first season of Steinsgate, which is which takes place in 2010 in Tokyo Akihabara, which is kind of like the the hub of um, like kind of pop culture and anime, mm-hmm. uh, for where you can go like buy goods and electronics and and whatnot. And it follows um, essentially a self proclaimed mad scientist that is just uh, he's college age, so um, nineteen to twenty ish, and he just kind of has a quotation marks lab. And when I say quotation marks, it's very much quotation marks. <laughs> and him and his his um, hacker buddy kind of stumble upon um, a way to send text messages back to the past. Mm-hmm. And when whenever they they kind of figure this out, they, they realize that they kind of figure out the limitations of how this works. And in doing so, kind of um, alter a lot of things that were not meant to to change mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, I'm going to send a text message to myself to to win this lottery, you know, you know, mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Yeah. And in small amounts of not like, you know, millions of dollars kind of thing. But they the kind of show progresses to where and I don't want to give away anything because there's there's a really big twist towards mm-hmm. the middle of the show that that really kind of like you're kind of like going up a hill and it, it's it's pretty slow pace for the first like 10-ish episodes. And then you are going downhill and you cannot stop mm-hmm. until the end and in a good way. It's it's just um, it's just a really good show. But the uh, the time travel in it, it kind of escalates to where they're sending text messages back and then they, they kind of find a way to send um, essentially brainwaves back to to people to where it's kind of more of a time leap mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. instead of like sending a text message and then you have to hope that the that you yourself when the person you sent it back to would actually react the way that you that you think you need to mm-hmm. if that makes any sense and um in the whole show takes place over basically 2 weeks in middle of summer um japan mm-hmm. which is super hot cicadas everywhere oh that's the classic J- japan you know yeah animation <laughs> oh, yep, summer in japan uh but yeah the and it, it's a really small cast of characters only like uh like five or six people mm-hmm. and just kind of the um a lot of the the stuff that kind of happens because you know there's just college kids that happen to get you know hold of something that is clearly where if you control time travel you control the world level technology right, right. and um uh, if you if you do choose to go watch it just um uh kind of curb your expectations for the first episode the first episode is bonkers <laughs> and, and it will make quite literally zero sense okay. interesting okay. um but there is a reason for that 
And if I reveal that, then you don't want to give yeah. it away. Yeah, no, that makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. So I think it has to be said because we all kind of danced around. We picked our own things. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, elephant in the room. Back to the Future exists. People, we know it. Everybody knows <laughs> We've it. Never seen it there's, before. There's like well, that's a lie. No, we've all seen. We've it. all seen it. <laughs> Stop. It's it's one of those things where it's like there's no point in us pitching this or talking about this because everybody knows it. Yeah, and that's you know that's that's always like you know whenever you say time travel, everyone literally just gravitates towards going back in time. Yeah. No, we're, we're, we danced around that one. We'll uh, probably review it at some point. I would at least the first one. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we'll go I mean, all three films. We generally have been avoiding going super deep on things unless it's just some huge demand on mm-hmm. it. But hey, if you would like to demand <laughs> that we review something, spoilersintendedpodcast.com, We have a link to our Discord. One of the best ways to interact with us. And if you would like to make a suggestion about something we should review, that is your place. So if you really want to see or here, Back to the Future, that's your moment. Yep. And speaking of suggestions, uh, this episode was suggested by um, one of our listeners, Whitney, mm-hmm. uh, who is a very big Disney fan. Um, I've known her for a good portion of my life. And uh, she she specifically said Meet the Robinsons is one of her her favorite films. Um, so I'm maybe I'm sorry ahead of time or not. I don't I don't know yet. So yeah, that's a, it's a danger. It's dangerous to throw out your favorites out in front of us. That could yeah. be risky, but we'll find out. Mm-hmm. So on that note, we're going to move forward into a little bit of more of the meat of the episode here. Kind of swing back to again, meet the Robinsons. So, Joel, you want to give us a little uh, little synopsis? Yes. So the film opens with a baby being left on the stoop of an orphanage mm-hmm. and through a quick scene change we follow the baby lewis to the age of 12 where he has become a prodigious inventor of unique gadgetry and that, that never works that never works quite right and he is uh trying to be adopted he has an adoption interview where he kind of self-sabotages with his his machine that he's trying to show off. And Mm -hmm. there's obviously a disconnect between the prospective parents uh, expectation of, well, we're, we're trying to talk sports and Mm -hmm. this and that, the things that, that, that they they find interesting, that they find interesting, that they think kids find interesting. And he's just different and Mm -hmm. not what they expect. And that just goes terribly blows up in his face, literally. And (laughs) (laughs) uh, he proceeds uh, to go about, um, with his life kind of kind of in despair of ever being able to be adopted. Right. And so he decides that he needs to find his birth mother. That's that is the thing that he needs. That's the only place that he thinks, you know, in 12 year old logic that he's going to find acceptance. And so he decides that he's going to invent a memory scanning device. So this is the first big ask that the film makes is that he is a genius inventor, even though nothing works quite right. Mm-hmm. He's still a genius inventor. So just go with it. Yes. And <laughs> well, I mean, well, that's kind of the core, one of the core principles of the film. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, but anyway, so he he builds a device and he takes it to the uh, the science, science fair, fair at his school. Uh, not he, he like finishes it just in time. So he hasn't tested it at all. Mm-hmm. And he gets there and that's where the movie goes completely sideways, because then we get thrown in another kid showing up. Out of nowhere, claiming to be a time cop who's hunting down a mysterious man in a bowler hat who's here to sabotage something. Something. Yes. And from there, hilarious hijinks ensue. 
emphasis on hijinks into a lot of hijinks. A lot of ensue. hijinks. Lots of hijinks. <laughs> okay. So on that note, let's uh so we're gonna look at the technical score. Mm-hmm. So for this, this is the four main uh pillars of review that we're looking at. So the spectacle, the score, the character, the performance, and the plot. I'm crossing up the writing it, yeah. and the, yeah, yeah. there are issues there. <laughs> Anyways, but those are the the four pieces that make that up aggregated. So through the spectacle, playlist. performance, score, plot. Thank you. For, for, for clarity's sake. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Joel, what was that score? So for that score, we gave the film a seven out of 10. Okay. And that's, that's, that's that's fairly decent uh we typically like it needs to get to an eight before we're actually really gushing we're really wow yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, but this was was a a certainly a respectable uh effort you know all things put together it did not cross the uh no way home threshold but it's not far from it (laughs) (laughs) i'm never gonna let that let that be um, and we also have an entertainment score, yes, uh, which is uh, just basically what um, what we generally just find enjoyment out of the film. Sometimes this could be higher or lower or the same. And we we specifically included this in order to be able to say, you know, this film, technically speaking, was bad, but. I just loved it. It was great, yeah. And so we've got this in here, and every time we harp on, this could be totally different, and every time it's the same, and this time it is exactly the same. <laughs> it is a 7 out of 10 for enjoyment and technical, just all together. And that's usually, <laughs> usually it's it's just like a, a couple, you know, tenths higher or yeah. lower, but for us just to nail that dead on, that's actually pretty funny. Yeah. We, uh, we apparently enjoy movies in a very specific way. And it relates to how we decided we wanted to review movies. I, okay, so I'm just going to make a, a bold prediction here is when we watch a movie like Top Gun, and we more than likely will review it because a new movie's coming out in some time. So very soon. Some, supposedly. Uh, May 27th or whatever. This is one of those movies that was delayed like three times, mm-hmm. and then they just but, undelayed it and sped up its release. Yeah. Or has but, it already released? Oh, time travel. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is that I... Like the original movie is really not that good, no. but I love watching that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, there are there are a lot of movies from that era that are that just if, not from good. a technical standpoint. The plot's just not all there, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, like so, True Lies is definitely one of those. Yeah, oh yeah, that's a, that's a good one for it. Yeah, there there it's interesting. We've maybe we've been avoiding these types of movies without realizing it. Yeah, we might have to make an, a better effort to be like we're maybe hit on some eighties action some, films. Some eighties, yeah, because those are really easy to be like. Well, the plot's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, sorry. Back yeah. to the future with Meet the Robinsons. But um, but um. So. We have here, I think, probably the biggest negatives on this film as far as the technical execution is concerned is that the CGI definitely is not great. Right. So we're it's, still in a... Just, to say just that to it throw aged, this out here is, aged bad is an understatement. Yeah. yeah just it, to throw this out. This is still spoiler-free mm-hmm, section, just yeah. forever, just not just for y'all, but also anyone listening. So it just, just jump straight in. Mm-hmm. But yes, it it did not hold up. Right. Well. And it's it's it was... Um, Released in 2007. Right. And there's a lot of other films that were released earlier and the same year, even by Disney, that had very good CGI. Yeah. I and mean, we've looked at several films that are released prior to it that are, again, predominantly hand-drawn. Mm-hmm. But they still, and it may just be that that element of hand-drawn animation just holds up over time. 
they hold up way better than this did. Yeah, and when they did employ CGI, like it's it's in it's in little bits. Right. right. They tried to and they so, tried to hide it almost. Yeah. So the biggest thing with this film, and 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 this is actually a um uh, the this film really is more of a love letter to Walt Disney, um and his yes. general ideas of one what the future what the kind of future he wanted it to be, mm-hmm. but then also just kind of how he he lived his life with um basically always moving forward which is a big key mm-hmm. um component of the film yeah. for the, for the message and and basically that failing is important and failing is okay yeah uh, it's natural I mean, yeah it's, it's natural and like and you have to you have to celebrate those failures because you learn more from being a failure or failing yeah. than than succeeding yeah right and and because of that you know it's like the the vision that they kind of had for this film, like just the general aesthetic for it, is very much you go to Tomorrowland mm-hmm. in Disney Magical mm-hmm. Kingdom, and this is what you're kind of expected to see yeah. for right. this film. And I I do understand kind of where they were going with it for like the the not plastic sheen, but that's kind of ended up what they ended up with. Yeah, mm-hmm. and on like the concept at a core level is really cool. And I wish that they either would have waited to make this film now where they have more technology to to make things a little bit more tactile feeling instead of just this like just I mean, literally just plastic. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely suffers from the whole it, CGI is everything is pla- your face is yeah. plastic. The hat is plastic. The shirt is plastic. The plastic spoon is also plastic, but it's the only thing in that list that's supposed to be plastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it. It it does. It pulls on like the retro futurism mm-hmm. vibes a lot, which that, is which is cool. I I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that aesthetic. And it's a that's a very successful style. You look at something like Fallout, mm-hmm. right? That leans really heavily into the same type of style. You know, yeah. big cigar shaped rocket ships with the big fins and mm-hmm. it's yellow and red. Mm-hmm. And, like that works. Uh, it just doesn't quite work here. And I think a lot of it is just the technology wasn't the, the, there, the utilized, or, yeah. or the willingness to budget for it wasn't. Because there are, I mean, Pixar. Other studios put out films that are. I mean, The Incredibles came out. Uh, I mean, different different studio, but Pixar yeah. came out with The Incredibles, which is roughly that same kind of aesthetic. It has the same, yeah, it has the same feel. And I mean, it, it's it's just a whole different like like feel that that the film has, just yeah. as, you know, for the graphics themselves. Right. Well, and also it's that's a, that's a good uh, reference to. I think one of the things that harms this film a little bit is you have a lot of films you know go back to like shrek right mm-hmm. that were put out that is it a kids movie yeah but is it also kind of for adults yeah yeah this one is very much so a kids movie it has a really great message and a really great theme and idea but the execution really really puts it in the realm of this is a kids movie yeah now that being said if you want a ride with a lot of laughs, this definitely has that. The, the oh, humor, the yeah. humor the writing was on point. Lots of great one-liners, um, and like the the characterization of the villain is very much a humorous characterization, where he's trying to present as being this mysterious, dark, evil well, figure. He's, he's he's the the classic um, Dudley Do Right villain mm-hmm. style look, right? Of well, I'm gonna I'm gonna kidnap her entire to the railroad kind of thing. Look. Uh, yeah, he's got the whoa, 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 whoa. yeah, and the, and the the long you curl already know mustache. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I to the point of the humor. I think the humor is like great. There are some great 
moments of writing and execution in there. Uh, they do kind of where it's like they know they have a really good gag and they do the gag a twice, times. like back to back. And we've discussed it on the show in the past about the idea of callbacks. And I don't know if it was a, that's a pre-show material and you have to pay to have heard that. <laughs> or that was somewhere in a show I can't recall at the moment. But uh, the idea of, of a successful callback is you have to have a little bit of a, a twist mm -hmm. to it. And there also needs to be a, the, the implication is there's a passage of time. And this one, sometimes they have that gag and it's, it's quote unquote a callback, but it's basically word for word the same thing. And it just happened. And so there's almost a moment of, did I like accidentally rewind this or something? <laughs> so that, that, that threw me a, a couple of times. Yeah. The, the, but like, kind of like what you guys just said, the, the quotation marks performance or the, the, the writing for the characters and especially the jokes, like the script mm -hmm. writing is honestly fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm sad that it was paired with a relatively dated CGI look for even the time that it came out mm -hmm. because yeah. like that was more on the lines of like 1996 Toy Story. Yeah. God, is that how old Toy Story I, is? Yeah, I think so. Surely not. That's uh, horrifying. No, because 98 was Toy Story 2. Oh, I know that. that's horrifying. I'm so old. While well, you do that, that's but terrifying. Um, <laughs> I, I may be wrong. It may be even earlier than that. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, like the act and the, the music was, well, I actually really enjoyed a lot of the music for yeah. the film too. Yeah. Because uh, it had some, some good, um, you know, some pop culture hits in there. Mm -hmm. And then also just like the general score was really fun. Oh. It was also, it was also oh. heavily stylized. Toy Story was released in 1995. 95. November of 95. Oof. Oof. Almost 96. Almost made it. Almost made so it. <laughs> not make me feel bad, but now I feel worse by like a month. Uh, but yeah, like the the music was really stylized as well mm -hmm. to really fit the 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 manic idealized futurism in the film. Yeah. Manic idealized. Perfect. No, that, that's actually that's very, a perfect yeah. description. Uh, uh, no, I agree though. The music was mm -hmm. great. That's 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 when we get into where we break it down. That's a high point for me. Mm -hmm. And and some of the some of the time travel aspects. Um, were, were interesting, but it's kind of one of those things where if you're used to seeing these films, you can probably already call the twist of the film almost like, immediately. Like time travel tropes are very difficult to handle correctly. There's very few instances of like a technically sound time travel plot. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is not one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like it just depends on how you view time travel, but once you get but like, but like this one contradicts itself on, oh, on several yeah, all, points. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, all we'll, the time. we'll get into that mm -hmm. once we uh, move forward. Hey, hey, you. Yeah, you. Have you seen a guy in a bowler hat sneaking around? I'm not sure what he's up to exactly, but it probably has something to do with spoilers. So if that's not something you want to hear, you'd better get out of here before you go. If you liked what you heard, check out our other content at spoilersintenderedpodcast.com. But if you're ready to join the time cops and take on the bowler hat guy, then take a deep breath and keep moving forward. Alrighty, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that quick little intermission, but we are back. We have moved forward into time, not back into time, and it is all spoilers all the way here, and we are going to kick this off taking a look at our individual scores for The Spectacle, and I think we gave 
maybe some hints of which way this is going to go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to send it over to Joel first. I'm curious. Okay. I am um, actually very curious. I'm really to, curious to yeah. hear what you. Well, I gave Spectacle film. a seven. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I, you know, obviously we already talked about the CGI, which is a heavy component of the Spectacle category in an animated film. Right. Not being very impressive from the perspective of viewing it today, or even necessarily when it came out. Mm-hmm. And but on the other hand, the things that they attempted to do with like all of the flyby vista shots mm-hmm. to set the scene mm-hmm. when you got into the future in the city, and then yeah, with again, like all the bubbles, yeah, and, and then again at the 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 house, you know, the villa, mm-hmm. and then also too once they started you know dramatically changing the past and to affect the future, where you got to see the you the, know the, the post apocalyptic bowler hat yeah, world, dystopian world, <laughs> yeah, like like all of these things, they were wonderful ideas, and from a a perspective of like how they were shot, so to speak, mm-hmm. I thought really hit home and were executed well. They just weren't really supported by the animation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that that's definitely a plus uh, for me on that side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like the it's it's one of those things where it's like I like being a designer, I can I can see where their vision was. Like, and I bet I bet honestly, their art boards and their storyboards for the the pre production for the for the movie oh, yeah, are probably fantastic mm-hmm. because or like the, any of the concept about the concept oh, art man. probably looks. It's got the, like that mm-hmm. art deco. Futurism yeah. to it that looks perfect. And whenever I see that and then I see where the movie ended up in production, it makes me feel really sad that it ended up that way just because it could have been so much more. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you know, you, you'll watch, you know, like, I'll say, like, TV shows that are, like, just all CGI. Like, I'll say Marvelous Miss Butterfly? Fan? I don't know. Anyway. Th- <laughs> are you talking about the Ladybug show? Ladybug. There it is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, it, the show is called Miraculous. Mirac, yeah. That's a cut I don't expect to hear on this show and, discussed, but all right. Yeah. Well, well, no, but, so like the CGI in that is basically on par with this. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. And yeah, actually the, that is a very similar look. Um, and, and basically the, the world for, for Miraculous just kind of just, there's no one else besides just the characters. Mm-hmm. It, it's very it, empty. It feels very empty. And because of like the color palettes and everything that they kind of chose for this, which is just as bright as possible mm-hmm. for, for me, the Robinsons, it also felt kind of the same way mm. where there wasn't a lot of additional detail that brought you more into the world because everything was bright white, bright green, bright red. Mm-hmm. Which really plays into the idealized it, futurism. It does. Idea is mm-hmm. that you're really trying to use these pristine, there's no dirt anywhere. Yeah, there's right. nothing, nothing is wrong. Everything mm-hmm. is perfect. Yeah. And that the bright color palette really kind of visually pulls that forward. Yeah, and, and that like, and whenever I see that, I just get really sad because I know what it could have been. Yeah, yeah. And so speaking of, what was your score? Uh, I gave it a five. Okay. Um, but like, okay, so like the art direction is one thing, and I can I normally can kind of like see past a lot of that with um for like my scores of like oh you know like just because I don't like the style, I can at least see kind of like where they're going with mm-hmm. it, what they wanted honestly what really killed me was just the 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 actual character designs are a little grotesque um <laughs> they they actually kind of would fit more in like a Tim burton yeah a lot of times um but what honestly probably the, the thing that absolutely just killed it for me was <laughs> the eyes the eyes like whenever in particular wilbur i don't know what it maybe just because he, he had really round eyes he had a lot of screen time too he also had a lot of yeah but like whenever they're talking, their eyes are just kind of like 
googly eyes mm-hmm. that like just a little plastic ones that you can just kind of stick wherever you want. <laughs> and, and they just kind of just float around and it just, uh, it, it just was really weird. Mm-hmm. And, and that really, cause it would have been like a seven for me of, you know, if, if everything else was just kind of around the same lines, mm-hmm. but then like just the character designs really took me out almost immediately. And, and every time I've seen, like when I was doing a lot of the pre-production art and stuff for the, for the podcast, when we were doing for for doing the review, mm-hmm. I was looking at the character designs. I'm like, oh man, I really hope that like these look a lot better in motion. <laughs> and and they, they didn't. Oh. Steven? Uh so I'm gonna split the difference. I gave it a six. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just it's it's shocking how much the CGI did not hold up mm-hmm. and just how brutally empty the spaces are. And I, I get the whole like we're going for like the clean bright yeah, like as, as pristine as possible mm-hmm. but at some point and I, I you feel bad like at some point within a 3d space you got to put the light somewhere else that isn't just creating a bright blue sky it, yeah it, it kind of felt like every light was a fluorescent light yes and now at the end of the film right when you hit the dystopian bullheart world you actually get really interesting lighting mm-hmm. it's just the opportunity for that in anywhere else in the film is kind of gone. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, they do a little bit of it, like when they introduce the family and you have the mom in the spotlight with the, the frogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they try to do a little bit of it there. They try to do what they could with it. But I think just ultimately the, the vision or the goal of this gl- clean, bright future world, it could it be there. Sure. Could 2007 CGI do it? No, no, it could not, at least not at that budget. It, mm-hmm. it suffers a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the caveats are, carrots olive branches those are the things you give people for peace <laughs> uh, i would say would be the actual effect of the time travel machines when they like time travel yeah it was cool was pretty good i liked it the the cloaking effects were quite good mm-hmm. honestly uh and i also really you know i really like the design of it you see it mostly with the time travel machine but when they kind of do the whole spiel about all the different tests and like the pieces that are left yeah and the various styles as they go through it mm-hmm. i think that was really cool mm-hmm. uh, i just wish we could have seen that maybe a little more spread out because like the time machines stand out from the rest of the stuff in the the surroundings because they just look so much better because yeah. there's just more to them. Yeah. So. Well, and like even like I actually really like um, a lot of the character animation, especially for Bowler Hat Guy or, or Goob, um, just because Spoilers. like. He has the like. He really does have the whoa, like, like oh yeah, the, like the big quintessential just bad like gloomy bad guy mm-hmm. that hangs out in the background and stares at you from a corner, or, or like the the big like he's gonna sneak walk where they do like the really high yeah. knees walk. Yeah, I, I mean those. I, I do think that the animators really went back and looked at you know like the classic cartoon villain mm-hmm. era, especially like Hanna Barbera. Oh yeah, and um and obviously Looney Tunes and and that kind of stuff, and and not in a bad way. Like I I, I like that style. I just wish that it would have it, been yeah. a little bit better executed. Yeah. yeah, because that style definitely, I mean, mm-hmm. perfectly translates. As soon as he makes an appearance, like you know what they're going for. They're like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I know. I this is a villain. Yep, perfect, <laughs> nailed it. So Easy. speaking of Bowler Hat Guy and the villain, that leads us to performance. Performances, yeah. yes. So we started with Joel. I'm gonna let Andrew kick it off this time. Okay, so going from a five, you oh, already like, spectacle. man, he hates this film already. <laughs> I don't even know where this wants to go. I gave it a 10. Oh, nice. I like, okay, honestly, the performance was the shining star for this film. Mm -hmm. That's fair. You have, um, you have Adam West as a superhero pizza delivery guy. I know. It was was fantastic. Then you have, um, the throwaway Tom Selleck, uh, cameo as his older self. 
What, and and what the fact like? that they, uh, Tom, Tom Selleck, and right. it's just a photo of Tom Selleck. <laughs> it's such a good joke. Um, like honestly, the 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 joke writing and just the general script was just fabulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so funny, and, and like in the in the very manic kind of there because there was a lot of like dry humor, mm-hmm. and then there's also just some really absurdist humor in there. A lot of absurdist a humor lot of surrounding absurdist the humor. family, yeah. In the future, yeah. Yeah. and and whenever like I that is one of my favorite types of humor. So mm-hmm. whenever I'm there, I'm just like. I grew up on the far side. Okay. Yeah, like right, that's yeah. like, that is kind of where, where a lot of my comedy mm-hmm. generally comes from and, and just knowledge. So whenever I see films like this that really embrace it, I would, man, I was laughing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like absurdist humor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like it in this volume or density. They hit you with it over and over and over again. Uh, I'm going to jump in. I get performance a seven. Okay. And I think overall it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And especially some of the the bits that, you know, like you said, the humor, the bits that Wilbur gets to throw out were good and well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think some of the emotional moments that they got to throw, especially with Lewis and Goob or their, uh, as he ages up, mm-hmm. counterparts. I mean, like, it, it kind of was cool just to see, you know, it's essentially he's an orphan and he gets to kind of be his own father figure. Yeah. Which I think that was great. Like that was a great moment and they did, they did it well. Uh, I think really the, what harms it is just kind of the animation doesn't support it. Yeah. It just doesn't do, it's just not good. Enough. Like you, like you talked about in spectacle, the, the googly eyes like, yeah, like that was a great line. This dude is looking in two different directions. And <laughs> it is killing me. Uh, and it's some of that. And it just, yeah. Adam West is a, superhero pizza guy sure that's, how dare you that's, even it's it is no it's hilarious it's just the amount of other speed quip one line throwaway lines that it took for us to get to that point was just a little much and like you know full props to to the people doing it they they sold out for it and mm-hmm. you know some of it landed and some of it just kind of didn't so yeah Joel, Joel what, uh, what are your thoughts well i gave performance an eight Okay. Um, okay. I, I, I mean, I, I thought it was really great. I think the, the standout, like we talked about, was the, the Bowler Hat Guy villain performance was amazing and it made mm-hmm. the whole film. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, I, without him, you, you don't have this movie. No. no well, not at all. Whenever he's talking to himself oh, in, the, that was yeah, in the time machine, uh-huh. where he's like, I don't need a chicken. And it's like, oh, I know. It'll be, <laughs> I'll turn him into a duck. It'll be so evil. But wait, I, I don't, don't need actually head. know how to do, do that. that. And I don't really need, need a, a duck. It's just, it's so good. This like it just so much more difficult than I, I expected. Know. <laughs> it's, it's so, so good. And like right up there with him, I think is, is Wilbur, the character just putting out the, okay, I'm 13 and I am trying so hard to be an adult. Mm-hmm. And so hard. <laughs> I have made a really big mistake, but as long as I fix it before anyone notices, then it's going to be okay. And which, so, which is exactly what a 13 year old <laughs> I know, would right? to do. Yeah. And so like, he is just lying every other sentence and trying to control information and manipulate everything in the manner of a 13 year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's such fun to watch. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I really liked when our, our villain goes back in time and he gets to talk to himself and he's like, mm-hmm. no, no, hold on to that. Yeah. <laughs> Allow the hate to fester. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> like it's great and all. And you know what? I, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna meet quota for this episode. But you know, like Kylo Ren could have taken some <laughs> lessons here. 
could have learned a few things <laughs> about how to actually sound like you're you're telling someone to hold on to their emotions or or let go of them, but just just in general. Could okay. learn some things. All right, there you go. I said so it. if I he did it. if he had watched this film, so this is a this is a, a Disney film. This, this is, is a, a Disney film too, technically. Tacit recommendation that if you are an emo megalomaniac in the future controlling yes. a galactic spanning pseudo empire watch this film yeah it would they even have meet the robinsons in star wars we'll never know mm. or disney will tell us and we don't want to know i mean meet the Rob- time travel yeah, yeah. Huh? So that's the answer so that's, that's, that's also, the answer the force as a magic system could also come through you never know <laughs> all right well, let's talk about the score. The score. The One score. of the highlights of this film and Star Wars. The score of the score. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes. 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 <laughs> that is a that is a non-controversial statement. I accept. John there Williams is a master. He did, he did not do he the did not score, do the but. <laughs> <laughs> so this score is Danny Elfman. Yeah. And I'm going to jump in. Sure. I give it an eight mm-hmm. because I think we've we've had this before and i can't recall what movie it was right offhand oh no treasure planet yeah uh, where we had the montage and it was goo goo dolls mm-hmm. and it kind of threw y'all off a little mm-hmm. bit uh for me like that mid 2000s and we get you know rob thomas mm-hmm. with uh, uh all the, american rejects and all, well, yep. i'm getting there, I'm getting there. <laughs> but we get rob thomas and we get all american rejects like that's kind of that quintessential mid to late 2000s mm-hmm. feel really it's a mid 2000s feel kind of stretched into the late yeah, because mm-hmm. you're. I think you're already at the point where, um, well, the, this Matchbox is, Twenty is is broken up and it's just Rob Thomas. So yep. like, we're already past that point. And it's interesting you, that you bring up that comparison because I, when I was watching it, I was like, hmm. So I actually didn't like when the Goo Goo Dolls were used for this in Treasure, Treasure Planet, Planet. Right. but I'm into this, and mm-hmm. so like, well, that, it, the it, difference was really it, interesting. It, it makes yeah. a difference just because, you know, it's like, I like all American rejects, so I gave it a higher score than yeah. the Goo Goo Dolls. And, and it, that's fair, it, too. Well, and, and this is definitely, like, the the mid-2000s were just such a weird time because yes. you had, like, the like the the vindicated dashboard confessional music video for Spider-Man 2 when it came out, oh, which man, is just, like, the most, that. like, emo existing. <laughs> and I like the song, and I like dashboard confessional, but, man, it was just, like, so... It's just the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just its own little little time yeah. capsule. And every once in a while, something comes back that reminds me of it. And, and most of the time, it's kind of cringe. There, there's a lot of cringe in this case, though. It lands it lands properly. Yeah. It, it oh, fits. it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the All American Rejects. The this future is now. Uh, f- yeah. Yes. I think that's I mean, that hits. Like that's that's exactly what's going on. Yes. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, and it's kind of its own. Uh, we got away from like a Disney fied, you know, Tomorrowland or mm-hmm. it's a small world and we get our own thing and if it, it, it works, right? Yeah. It just works. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny to say that amidst all the other pieces of actual score, mm-hmm. which are much more traditional. Yeah. And they also work really yeah. well with what's going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, 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 the score of the film was honestly great. I, I gave it an eight. Okay. Yeah. And uh, basically for the same reasons, uh, I thought all the insert songs, which are, you know, non-composed songs for the film specifically, uh, were really good. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the actual score of the OST was was very, mm-hmm. like, uh, when, when, like, you knew when it was going to be an emotional moment. And mm-hmm. it, it definitely helped elevate it. Yeah. From from what it already was, probably because the CGI just wasn't doing enough <laughs> to per, for for like to help you with well, that. Ideally, all of those things are helping you. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and that's that's kind of how how our rubric works. Yeah. Is that you know, like if you have one part that doesn't do so good, you can have something else that elevates it up. Yeah, yeah. 
Joel. So I, uh, you know, I, I think that you two being the same is just terrible. We really need to have more diversity. So I also gave it an eight. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this is one of, this is the only thing so far where we have all agreed. Right. And, you know, I, I, I second everything that you said. I think that the stylization of the original soundtrack uh, really highlights the themes of mm-hmm. the idealized futuristic yeah. setting. And so that was really great. I think the only thing that I really knock it on is the fact that regardless of the level of action going on in the scene, the soundtrack was always dialed to 11. So there was like slow moments where they were just like climbing into a cockpit and you've got dun 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 <laughs> I mean, that also kind of fits though for, you know, this again, the setting uh-huh. where it's the big, bold... Uh, you know, kind of that that brassy feel of, well, this is what the future will be, yeah. you know, kind of thing going on. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I can see it too, where it's just like, okay, calm down, people. Yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely ADHD, the film. <laughs> Holy cow, was it ever. Uh, so. Yeah, talking are we, about that. Are we ready to go into the true ADHD? Let's talk about the, the plot. plot. So this is going to be the score where we talk about the fact this is emphatically a kid's movie. <laughs> my, my, uh, I'm going I'm to take first score. I'm not going to take many points, but uh, I give it a six. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my very first line was, oh no, time travel. Because <laughs> <laughs> I actually had only vaguely recalled when this movie came out and only knew one scene, which is the, why aren't you fetching the boy? Mm-hmm. The, the T-Rex mm-hmm. uh, offhand. My arms are too strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I didn't have much familiarity. I didn't realize it was actually going to be a time travel movie because mm-hmm. I never I, I hadn't seen the trailer in yeah, I, however like, long. Because I, I didn't know really anything about the film. And I just assumed that they just had a dinosaur mm-hmm. just as a pet. Yeah, yeah I, I was ready. To, I was because I was like, uh, everyone that. looks really weird. It's probably in the future. I don't know. There's a yeah. flying saucer. Why Why wouldn't they have a dinosaur? Why wouldn't they have a dinosaur? Right? Yeah. Those are the same thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> time travel. Why I wouldn't mean, you have a dinosaur? The, I mean, yeah. know that the Flintstone, Flintstones and Jetsons take place in the same universe. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> and the same timeline and the same, like they're, they're neighbors. Like that's just, there, there was a crossover episode of Hanna-Barbera yes. where there was the Flintstones and Jetsons. And it is a confirmed fact that they take place <laughs> in the same universe in the same timeline. Okay. That's fine. And you're welcome. <laughs> that's let's, fine. Let's back out of Hanna-Barbera <laughs> conspiracies and get back to the plot of Meet the Robinsons. Uh, it's just, it's very ADHD. It's just kind of all over the place. At any given moment? Well, a lot, like the individual scenes are all over the place. Yeah. The, the overarching story is not. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily, just because of time travel jumping into the middle of it all, mm-hmm. like the, the, the individual scenes are manic and ADHD, right? The overarching story makes sense for the most part. Mm-hmm. It holds up fairly well. But like, uh, there's a more discrete chunk somewhere in between that where there are Potentials for problems. Yeah. I mean, anytime that you have any kind of time travel. Where just, you can insert individuals into right. a or, story. Or you can even just have one individual just declare, well, I'm not going to make you. And now that just stopped everything. So that that was probably the single biggest problem, right? Yeah. Because that's how the, clim- the, the climax was resolved. Is Lewis tracks down the bowler hat, looks it's in its one little red optic eye and says, I will never make you. And that's the thing that stops it. Yeah. But if you think about it logically, him resolving to never make the thing 
could work, but it does not have to know that it will never be made for it to not be made. Like he could just be like, you know what, Megan, that's a terrible idea. Make a note, never make this thing. The whole thing's gone. Like it's, it's just, it's it already, work. it's yeah. already resolved. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the way that they already kind of, um, pushed a lot of the actual time travel elements of how everything happens, it is led to believe that that is what actually happened because he made time machine or made time travel and then basically goes through and all the events that you're seeing are the actual events that need to take place for him to invent things to meet his his foster parents and and become, you know, the the great inventor that he's supposed to be. Well I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take Take the reins here for, for a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I gave the plot a five. Okay. Um, Am and I going to be the kindest one here? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Uh, but but to, to your point, when you're writing a time travel story, you need to pick a lane. Yeah. Either yes. you can affect change mm-hmm. to the timeline. Or you can't. Or you cannot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Either everything you're about to do was always there or you're dealing with with either branching timelines or like self-correcting timelines, but regardless, it has an effect. And in this case, we were shown that it's both. Yeah. Because, right. because the opening scene, there are details that occur in the opening scene with Lewis being left on the stoop that we learn later that Lewis was the one that did, older Lewis. Mm-hmm. He, he's the one that actually knocked. Yeah. yeah. Um, where we, we clearly have the knock in the opening scene of the film. Yeah. So like there was a knock the first time around and then he's the one that did it. So, in that instance, what he went back in time and did, he always went back in time and did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But later on, when you're going through, well, we're changing the timeline, see what happens, changing the timeline, see what happens. Like that, those two things are mutually exclusive. Right. Like well, we, and, and then whenever he, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and then whenever he just says, well, I'm not going to invent you. You've already been invented. Meaning that like, this has already, already happened kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like you're, you're just breaking your rule. Right. So now now we're dealing with, okay, so we're actually just like branching off into an alternate dimension timeline kind right. of thing, yeah. which just, it's just all over the place. Like you've got to pick a time travel theory mm-hmm. and stick with it. Make right. make your magic system internally consistent. <laughs> so the, the one thing I really like about um, uh, Steins Gate, because I talked about it earlier and it's yeah. on my mind, um, is whenever something is changed via timeline like some they change something in the past to change something mm-hmm. in the future they actually move to completely different timelines basically mm-hmm. to where they're like the sacred like, timeline every everything kind of exists in its own line mm-hmm. and the only only thing that changes is basically the person's memories that goes to to a different world line essentially okay. mm-hmm. so there's no like you can't meet yourself in the past kind of thing because you just already anyways go ahead yeah right well i mean there's there's the other issue of well bowler hat guy goes back into the past mm-hmm. right and ruins the invention that set lewis off on his path and then to, they go to, to be an inventor. and then they go to the future and the future is unchanged yep mm-hmm. it just is what it is until we hit the point of well the the failure finally happens and now bowler hat can take over and then he looks bowler hat in the eye and is like well i'm never going to invent you and bowler hat in in a realistic timeline is probably like you're right you're not cuz i'm about to kill you yeah <laughs> like because these things they can't they don't seem to connect or work with one another where well, we've already ruined the past which should influence the future but the future has been uninfluenced yet mm-hmm. so it's just this weird melding of two typical concepts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now the sequence where the the bowler hat guy goes back in time and and we have this whole you know emotional moment of Wilbur being sucked into the time vortex, whatever. And then it's just, Mm -hmm. everything's dark. 
Yeah. And because he's inside the garage and then he finds a little bit of light and then he sees the memory machine that the, the bowler hat has gleefully placed there for him. And, you know, he sees the memories of what has occurred in this alternate mm-hmm. timeline. Like that whole sequence is really cool. Yeah. Because you're using his environment to obfuscate what just occurred. But it doesn't make any sense. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and it's definitely one of those things too where um I I gave it a six mm-hmm. okay. um for, yeah. for plot. But um the um we've we've kind of beaten up a lot of the time travel things. Mm-hmm. Um but the one thing that like that we kind of talked about at the beginning before spoilers was just the message of the film. Yeah. Yes. Um and and which is honestly fantastic. Being a uh, I'll, I'll say a creator just for as a loose term. Mm-hmm. I, I do you're, graphic design. You're not really create. I'm, I'm creative, um, and it is it's really important to understand early on when you are one a kid or just I mean just, even as an adult that it is okay to make mistakes and it is okay to fail at specific tasks because whenever you fail you learn a whole lot more than when it does work mm-hmm. because like when you are are troubleshooting something on um like an i like for a computer you need to find the things that that replicate the problem mm-hmm. so then you can say well that doesn't work so let's try it this way well that doesn't work let's try it this way and then until you get it to work and if you if it works the first time you have no information to base it off of because you're like well was that just dumb luck mm-hmm. And you like it is so important, and it's it's a thing that a lot of you know a lot of a lot of kids one need to learn, but a lot of adults need to learn it too. Yeah, and that's I, I was probably going to keep most of that in my my entertainment, but mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're there. So well, I mean, it's still it's, part of the plot. It is part of the plot. It is it is a core element of the whole film as a whole. Uh, and I, I I like that you highlight the idea that kids need to hear it, but adults do too, because mm-hmm. there are too many adults who have reached whatever point they are in their life who didn't hear this early enough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there are a lot of movies that come out that have a specific target audience, and they have they may or may not have a great message for that target audience, and it may miss elsewhere, mm-hmm. right? The message in this is a universal. Everybody can take something away from this. Yeah, failing at something is not. It, it can be a setback. It can be frustrating. It can be whatever else. It is still not necessarily a bad thing. It yeah. is generally speaking, a good, especially in a process where you are trying to improve something or yeah. create something mm-hmm. or whatever, it is generally speaking a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, there is, there's a mantra that you will hear nowadays with entrepreneurs of fail fast, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we know that when we are attempting something, it's not so much that we're guaranteed the first time we do it, it's going to work. Cause that is, that is an aberration. That is not how life works most of the time. So the real answer is get a, a test, get an example out there quickly so that it can fail and you can find where the problems are mm-hmm. and then build from there. And that's super, super important for people across the, the spectrum of age ranges to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Soapbox off. Joel's just kind of, no, it's good. It's good. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't really have anything else to really say about the plot. I mean, it, it was it was kind of all over the place for for internal logic of how their mm-hmm. time travel specifically mm-hmm. works. Um, the rest of the film, like I liked, you know, we've already kind of gone over it. I, I liked all of the people that were there. They were fun to watch and listen to. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. not really. Well, not fun to watch. They're fun to listen to. <laughs> uh, but um, I, we should probably just move on to to entertainment. 
Yeah, I mean, the the maybe one other. I don't want to call it a criticism, but it it can be a good thing, I guess, with plot. Mm-hmm. That it's it was reasonably predictable. You know, yeah, I, I had a pretty good idea. Oh, this is who the villain actually is. Because mm-hmm. we again, we introduce time travel. We we have an idea that these people are someone in the past aged up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because a lot of it was there's some satisfaction in it, mm-hmm. right? Of when you go when you take Lewis back to his present in the past or mm-hmm. however you however you want to define it from whatever <laughs> frame of reference you want. And he goes back to the science fair, and then you you have all these introductions of people who are going to be figures in his life that mm-hmm. he's learned about. Like that is a a good and satisfying emotional cycle or circle or conclusion mm-hmm. that we get. Where, okay, cool, we get to see all these pieces, both where they were in the future, how they've developed out. Yeah. And then you immediately get to see him hit all these pieces in his past or however, whatever you want to look <laughs> at it. And you get that, that um, kind of closure of that loop yeah. immediately off. And because you can already kind of feel, because, you know, again, there's no guarantees in the future when he goes back to the past. We don't know how this works. He could make a mistake right now and that future is never going to happen. But they immediately put the pieces down and say, well, he's, he's seeing these pieces mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So that's always, that's always good. Nice to see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, I got that on my system. Entertainment score. <laughs> what we got? Um, I gave it a six. Uh, and honestly, like I would watch the film again, but someone else would have to put it on. Okay. Um, so it does. It doesn't meet that that eight threshold of self motivated rewatching. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, if, if some we were at someone's house and they're like, "Hey, we're going to watch Meet the Robinsons." Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so basically, the next time you're over at Whitney's, but you know, it, it's definitely one of those uh, one of those movies where the really the only thing holding it back. I mean, I can I can ignore plot elements mm-hmm. of just internal logic for time travel like that. Like that is something that I am very particular about. Most people aren't. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but the I am particular about CGI and, mm-hmm. and the way characters are designed. Just the animation. They look and they animate. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is probably the biggest holdback for me. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, uh, I have a slightly lower threshold of rewatch of Andrew from an eight to a seven. Right. Mm-hmm. We've had this discussion. And I also gave it a six. So it comes <laughs> in just under the bar. Uh, it's, it's not a unentertaining film it's just it is a little too manic for me mm-hmm. uh you know I, I love again you know, we talked about the villain and mm-hmm. some of the gags some of the humor was really good i just don't know if i want to wade through everything else to get to those pieces or if i just go to youtube and watch you know a two-minute clip here and, and laugh of again. him you know talking mm-hmm. about the duck why, why or why aren't you yeah. seizing the boy yeah <laughs> you know and i oh, i get my laugh and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll move on uh yeah it's just really good message it's just a little too fractured, a little too manic, a little too ADHD mm-hmm. at the end of the day for me to truly be entertained and for them to not just lose me as it as there's just violent shift, violent twist, violent look here, look yeah. there, go here, go there. It's just, well, you lost me now. So, mm-hmm. Joel? All right. Well, I'm going to completely flip this on his head. I gave it a nine. Ooh, I absolutely. You actually took the six and turned it upside down. I did. <laughs> I absolutely adore this film. Uh, you know, all of the problems aside, mm-hmm. the the message is fantastic, uh, and the the theme of an orphan who who has no no people finding people is, I mean, for that's an easy win, right? Oh, like yeah, that's absolutely. just pull on those heartstrings. Let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the humor on this film is is absolutely fantastic. Like it's just beat after beat after beat after beat. Mm-hmm. You're just laughing all over the place. 
And so for me, that that was at, at least my experience. So so <laughs> <laughs> this is a subjective score. It is. Uh, so so for for me, those things carry the enjoyment of the film to a really high bar. Well, that's yeah. that's totally valid. I mean, again, the humor is great. The writing is is good. The delivery is usually pretty great. I just. I, you know, oh, I don't want to say this out loud, but hey, Disney, you want to make a remake? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, they they it, do like doing those. It doesn't need much. Not live action. Stop. <laughs> it doesn't need. It doesn't need much work, but just a little, maybe a little love, a little, little care. Yeah, I mean, I, like if they if they chose to remake Me the Robinsons, I would absolutely go see it, especially if it had the similar writing style and everything. Yeah, like the, the, paired with it. the the plot needs a little love tidying up yeah this this but the actual like script the lines and mm-hmm. no don't touch don't yeah. don't yeah. mess that G- up give me give me just an updated graphical give me updated graphics like they did with cats no whoa 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 whoa, 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 whoa stop. what that, that is not me comparing the movie to cats, cats <laughs> is an objectively terrible <laughs> terrible film Again, what the updated graph the updated graphics in cats are horrific <laughs> no but what i'm saying is is that they have the ability to do this <laughs> The ability to ruin it even more. <laughs> yes, I won't argue. With the scientists that. were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think whether or not yeah, they, they should. should. <laughs> Man, of all like of all the comparisons, you could use. no, that is the only comparison because that's the only film that I know of that had an actual graphical update in its actual performance, like block. Oh, okay. So you you mean like, patch the film? Yeah, yeah. Oh, patch, yeah, that's what oh okay. Oh, oh, got it. Gosh. Got it. Got it. Okay. We we were all on remake territory, not on patch. No, no. So I'm, I'm saying now like I get they you. have the ability I get to you. literally just have the film. And I then get just you. This is the, the, the latest patch ever. Yeah. Meet the Robinsons no, 2.0. No, Star Wars is probably the latest patch ever. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, what that like was special edition, oh. yeah, special edition, nineteen ninety six, and then and then the, Disney Plus edition. Yeah. I actually really dislike <laughs> that. We should make that a topic somehow at some point. I actually really dislike that practice. I would really prefer. Yeah, everyone does that. You would just, just don't don't patch Meet the Robinsons Disney. Don't do a live action remake either. <laughs> just just that that should theoretically solve the googly eyes issue. <laughs> theoretically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they just they Wilbur's actor. They just tape googly eyes. It's his disguise for going back in time. He does, he does the quick whip the head around like. <laughs> no one will know who I am wearing these. <laughs> I can't let him recognize me. Oh gosh! Oh man, that would be just nightmare fuel. <laughs> Like cats. It would be Tom Holland playing him too. Oh, no, it would. Oh, gosh, you're not wrong. <laughs> Quick, throw the 25-year-old out there. Be a 13-year-old. Yeah. We know you can do it. <laughs> pull him pull him right off the set of Uncharted 2 where he's trying to pretend he's 40. <laughs> uh, okay, well, on that note, that sounds like all the time we have for this episode. So until next time. I'm Steven. <laughs> I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And as always, every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a Discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.